I really do. I like being here. Um, I'd have church every day if we could, so uh, we just move in. So, All right. I didn't say that to be clapped for. I just wanted you to, it just got on my mind here. John chapter 19. I probably, I thought about this title, uh, and, and it's really, I guess I need to qualify a little bit, uh, and called it The Last Lesson. Uh, and what we're going to look at this morning is really uh, the final uh, thing we learn uh, from Jesus' earthly ministry uh, before his death. Uh, certainly there are numerous lessons left to learn. Uh, he's going to teach a great deal um, after, uh, after the resurrection. Uh, but this is the last things, uh, some of those last words. I think all of us understand uh, the importance. Uh, we hear uh, people talk about that sometimes. What that people, someone's last word, someone's dying word. Those, uh, you know, we remember uh, many times the last conversation uh, we had with someone, and those are uh, those are important words. And uh, what we have here are really those last uh, last few moments uh, of. Um, uh, of the life uh, of Jesus Christ and the events uh, that went on. And I want you to notice with me, uh, we're going to look this morning and, and look at four, uh, four things that took place there. Uh, certainly, I, I'm sure uh, uh, someone else could look at it and come up with six. Uh, someone else could look at it and come up with nine. I got four. Uh, that's, uh, that uh, I want us to uh, see this morning that God's kind of uh, spoke to me about uh, as I looked at this and some things. Uh, again, that I, I've looked at uh, a little uh, closer uh, than probably I ever have in my in my life. I mean, I've been in church uh, since before I can remember. Um, and but you know, as I said, the, the, there's a couple of things about uh, the Easter story. I said this the other day. Uh, there, there's another, I said the other day that uh, some of the the pieces of the, uh, of the Easter story. Um, the, the story of the crucifixion, um, we just kind of rewrite through them to get to some other things. We know, we know the resurrection's down there somewhere. Let's, let, let's, let's get on down there. Uh, and then the other thing is familiarity. Uh, most of us are just so familiar uh, with, the, uh, with the crucifixion, uh, resurrection story that, uh, I, I hate to say it this way, but uh, in many ways we take it for granted. Uh, and one of the things that uh, has happened with, with me uh, in uh, preaching through the book of John and uh, getting here to uh, this piece of the story, uh, it's obviously caused me to have to slow down. Uh, and uh, I have a tendency, I, I, when, I, when, I, when I read a book, uh, I have a tendency to uh, skim it more than read it. I, you know, I get to a spot and I'm like, oh, that part doesn't matter, and, and jump over it. Uh, and, and it's caused me to have to slow down uh, and really look at the details because uh, I need to find uh, what God's trying to say for uh, that Sunday, this Sunday, uh, out of that section. And uh, for, I don't know about anyone else, but it's really uh, kind of been a, 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 I don't know if I want to use the word blessing or not, because it's really uh, been somewhat challenging to, uh, to really slow down and contemplate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, again, we like to get on through that part, and let's get to the resurrection. Uh, but having to slow down 
and, 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 and take this and uh, literally look at it pretty much word for word, phrase for phrase, uh, has really been a, uh, a, a challenge and a time of uh, conviction uh, as uh, considered uh, the details, uh, actually, of all that went in. Uh, to the crucifixion. And so uh, this morning I want to show you uh, four things, and they may not be new to you, uh, but four things that God just kind of brought to my attention uh, in this next section uh, of uh, the text. We'll be looking at, uh, beginning in verse uh, 31 uh, this morning, uh, and uh, we have... uh, the, the story now is uh, Jesus, as we looked last week, said it is finished. He, uh, he, he, is, uh, he is dead. Uh, they don't realize it. Uh, we see that in this text that we're looking at this morning. They, they, don't, uh, they don't realize that he is dead, but, uh, but Christ has uh, given up the spirit uh, and died. And now... Uh, in verse 31, uh, we begin to read uh, some, again, some curious words, but again, I think they're words uh, that, uh, that really we just kind of, we, we leapfrog a little bit uh, in the story. Uh, it was the, the day of, uh, of preparation. Uh, it was uh, the Passover. Uh, it was a high uh, Sabbath day. It was the Sabbath, uh, but it was a high Sabbath day. It was a, uh, a feast day. Uh, it was a celebration. It was a big day uh, on the Jew- Jewish calendar. It was, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, it was Easter to the Jews. That, uh, as big as, a big a day as Easter is to the Christians, uh, this is what uh, the, the Passover, the day of preparation, high Sabbath, uh, depending on uh, what translation you're reading, uh, it, uh, it was a big day. Uh, this was the day when you got your new Easter suit. I mean, this was a big day. Uh, and they were concerned, it says, uh, that the bodies would not remain on the cross uh, on the Sabbath. And then it tells us that the Sabbath uh, was a high day. And so the Jews, it says, go to Pilate uh, and request uh, that their legs might be broken uh, and they might be taken uh, away. Now, we, we've talked about this some about uh, crucifixion, that, uh, that uh, since we're largely unfamiliar with that uh, style of execution in our day, thankfully, uh, that uh, we understand the, the nature uh, or the method of death uh, in a crucifixion, uh, we see uh, the pictures, and we basically, uh, I guess, assume that uh, that the nails in the hands, the feet, the blood loss uh, was what uh, was what uh, would cause a person uh, to die from crucifixion, uh, and that is actually uh, not completely accurate. Certainly, that would have played uh, a part in the role, but uh, what uh, what they would do is, uh, as a person was crucified. They were not only suspended uh, by their hands, uh, and sometimes they weren't nailed anyway. Sometimes they were tied uh, to the cross, uh, and honestly that made it really uh, in many ways worse than uh, being nailed because it made the process take longer. And then down at the bottom of the cross... There would be uh, a little tiny, uh, either a peg or a little tiny platform where the person being crucified uh, could put their feet uh, and and, kind of stand themselves up. 
uh, because when they were crucified, with their arms stretched out like this, the weight of their body pulling down stretched across uh, the diaphragm and uh, would cause a person uh, to not be able to breathe. And, and so they would hang there, uh, and they would stand back up as long as they could. Uh, the, the cramps in their legs, feet from standing on the little peg, uh, till that get, and then they would drop back down, and then they would uh, hang there, till they about, and then they would stand back up. And many times uh, those being crucified uh, would hang on the cross for days. Uh, and that was actually part of uh, the Roman plan uh, of crucifixion, that they wanted it to be brutal. Uh, they wanted it to be uh, a, a torturous, horrible uh, method of death, and they wanted it to be visible. Uh, they would do it right outside the city, and they wanted people going and coming. They wanted people in the city uh, to look out, and see uh, that method of death. And they wanted you to see that man for a couple days. And, uh, you know, in the summer, uh, in the hot, he would hang there in the sun. Uh, you can imagine the torment uh, in the winter, uh, in the cold, hang out there day and night, uh, bugs, sweat. Uh, I mean, you, you, there's no end to all of the various ways uh, of torment and torture uh, involved uh, in a crucifixion. And the whole breaking the legs thing uh, that the Jews requested was a method uh, of speeding up the death. Uh, again, as they stood there uh, on that little peg, uh, they would come along with a mallet and breaking the leg is really uh, kind of a mild term more like smashing the leg uh, was what uh, historians describe they would come along with a mallet and just basically crush uh, your leg bones uh, and that would cause the, the victim to no longer be able to stand up uh, on his legs uh, and so he would, all of his weight would come across his chest and in short order uh, he would be dead. And that's what the Jews wanted uh, to happen <coughs> to Jesus. And what we learn in that, uh, in that, uh, in that particular uh, element of the story is we are reminded here uh, of this, this pious, uh, this religious uh, little game uh, that the Jews were playing, this, uh, this pious uh, solicitation, this uh, religious request. Um, oh, Pilate, we are concerned about the Sabbath day. We are concerned about keeping the Sabbath holy. See, the Old Testament made clear uh, that during the Passover there couldn't be uh, anything like that going on in the land. That you couldn't have a man uh, being uh, crucified. You couldn't have that uh, taking place. So he needed to be uh, dead before dark. He needed to be dead off the cross and buried because we wouldn't want to mess up our religious day. We wouldn't want to mess up our religious day with an innocent man hanging on a cross. We wouldn't want to mess up our high holy day by having a man we framed, we lied, uh, we have ridiculed. Uh, we wouldn't want to mess up our religious day uh, by, nothing, by, by something like that. 
We, we, we need to make sure uh, that we keep uh, our religious day all holy and everything. Uh, I hope you see the hypocrisy in that. I hope you see the, uh, the, the, the craziness uh, in their actions, to see the, uh, the hatred uh, that uh, these Jewish leaders had uh, for, uh, for Jesus. I hope you see uh, the, the cowardice uh, of Pilate in, in going along. Uh, Pilate didn't care about Passover. Pilate could care less. Uh, Pilate would care less if the Passover passed over. He didn't care. Uh, the Passover meant beans to Pilate. Uh, he was just simply humoring the Jews by going along. Uh, and, and again, that, literally there was nothing that the Jews could have done. Had Pilate said, no, I'm not breaking their legs. Let them hang there and suffer. Uh, I don't care if it defiles your day. I don't care. Uh, there was nothing the Jews could have done uh, about that. And so Pilate displays his cowardice. The Jews display their, their hatred, their uh, hypocrisy uh, in, uh, in this action. We, we, you know, we don't mind lying. We don't mind framing we don't mind making up charges. We don't mind choosing a thief over uh, this man. We don't mind any of that. Just don't mess up our feast. Let that bounce around your mind for a moment. Let that just kind of bounce around. It, it would be... A lot like a, 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 a mass murderer. We, we just had another situation there in Atlanta this, this week. It would be much like someone like that who said, Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't kill people on Sunday. i got to go to church. That's, you know, oh, I, can't, I, I have to kill you tomorrow. i got to teach Sunday school today. Uh, you know, that, that's about what it amounts to. You know, literally. Uh, I, I can't kill you today, but wait till tomorrow. I've got to lead the music. I've I got to preach today. Tomorrow you better watch out. You know, I've got to get you killed before midnight. It's going to be Sunday here before long. And I wouldn't want to kill you on the Lord's Day. You know, think about that. That's literally what this turns into. It's literally what it amounts to. It's the same difference. You know, it's, you know, it's the same difference. It's the same difference as going out on Saturday and living and doing whatever you want to do and, and, and going to whatever bar you want to or, or, or lying and stealing and doing whatever you want to. But I've got to get home because I've got to get up for church in the morning. See, it's easy for us to look at the Jews and go, oh, that's hypocritical. Oh, that's, that's just wrong. Let's not kill an innocent man on the Sabbath. Let's, let's go ahead and get him out of the way. Let, let, let's not have an innocent man hanging on the cross on the Sabbath. We need to go ahead and get him down so we can have our Passover feast. Well, it's easy to see their hypocrisy. It's easy to see their uh, you know, their sin. But again, what's the difference? What's, what's really different in that and in anyone today 
who Monday through Saturday lives however they choose, does whatever they want, says whatever they want, sins in whatever they have, and getting up first thing Sunday morning and putting on their finest and showing up in church. What's the difference? Is there any really? Sin was sin, right? It was the sin of the Jews. It's sin. What's the real difference in the action of the Jews and the actions of many who are sitting on church pews or chairs all over America today? See, I'm, I'm convinced that, that if, the, if, if we really had what we profess on Sunday, if we really had that, Monday through Saturday would look a lot different. Monday through Saturday would sound a lot different. If we really had what we say we have on Sunday, when we stand up and sing about how great is our God and all the blood that changes me, all the blood that saves me, all the blood that cleanses me, Does it only cleanse us one day a week? Does it only cleanse us for a few hours on Sunday morning? I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that if someone only took one bath a week, you'd know. Pretty sure. You'd know. And if the blood's only good enough for you, better hope Jesus comes on Sunday morning. That's not true, but anyway. There's not much difference, is there, if we're really honest. Their little game of, Lord, we want to get him off the cross. We can't have him up there on the Sabbath. It'll mess up our feast. Never mind what we've done for the last three years of his ministry. Never mind how we've betrayed him. Never mind how we've tried to trap him. Never mind how we've sold him out, bought him out for 30 pieces of silver. Never mind how we have, uh, we have uh, accepted Barabbas, a known thief, over him. Never mind how we've made up lies. We've made up accusations. Never mind all that. Just don't you have him on the cross on, on the Sabbath. You see, they're pious. Just, oh, you can almost see them. Oh, Pilate, please, we don't want to defile our holy day. Yeah. You, can, you can almost, oh, makes you gag a little bit to just think about the way. That, that, for, you, you've, you've been walking with me through this gospel. You've learned a great deal about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the priests, how they do things, how they do business. Can you in your mind just imagine that little speech they gave Pilate when they went and asked him to break his legs? Oh, Pilate, you know most 
excellent pilot. Yeah, that had a yeah, they hated Pilate's guts. Yeah, if Pilate would have burst into flames, they'd have poured gas on him. They hated Pilate. Yeah, they, they could care less. But I got, you can hear him. Oh, Pilate, most excellent, wise leader. We love you. You're doing a good job. And our holy day is coming up tomorrow. And it's so important to us to honor the traditions and laws of our gods and our ancestors. Can you, can you hear it? Am I the only one that can imagine that little speech? <laughs> kind of make you gag a little bit. That is, you know they poured it on thick. We need to, we need to get those men off the cross. No, you should have never put them on the cross. You see, only their pious solicitation. Notice as you move on, the pitiful scene. As Pilate agrees to do that, Pilate agrees to break the legs, they get to Jesus. And it says they, they go and they break the legs of the first and of the other. What it appears they did was you had three men on the cross and that it appears that the guards maybe came up the hill and as they came up, they came to one thief on this side, one thief on this side. They weren't dead, so they went ahead and broke their legs, and they came together uh, in the middle where, where Jesus was. And as they got to Jesus, uh, they said when they came to him, they saw that he was already dead and did not break his legs. And we, we look at that, and, and you may think, well, that's an interesting piece of the story. It's a very interesting piece of the story. That pitiful scene is a very interesting piece of the story. One of the things, if you've been paying attention as we've come through John, uh, in particular in the crucifixion story, John has went out of his way to make sure that we see that God was in control of this entire event the whole time. That there was never a moment where God went, wow, didn't see that coming. I better go to plan B. Never once. When the Bible says that, that here that they came to Jesus and his legs, uh, and he was already dead, and his legs were not broken, that had to be the case. Because the Old Testament had prophesied that he wouldn't have a bone broke in his body. I, I, I read one commentator, and I tend to agree. I don't remember who said it now. Uh, one person writing about this text said that if one of those soldiers would have drawn back his hammer to hit Jesus in the legs, that God would have struck him dead. That he could not have broken the bones, the legs of Jesus because the Bible had declared in advance, he will have no bones broken, not one. They couldn't have broken the legs of Jesus Christ if, if they would have hit it with a hammer. been like one of them cartoon shows where they hit his leg with the hammer and it bounced back and hit him in the forehead. They couldn't have broke all of Rome's army together. Pilate himself, Caesar himself, couldn't have came down to Golgotha and broke the legs of Jesus Christ because God was still on the throne. 
This wasn't a Caesar thing. This wasn't a Pilate thing. This wasn't a high priest thing. We've already read that it said he gave up the ghost. He gave up the spirit. He said it is finished. He said it is done. And his legs were not and could not have been broken. It didn't matter. All the, They could have drug out the strongest man in Rome. He couldn't have broke the legs of my Savior because the Father had already declared that not a bone in his body would be cracked. Not one. They come to Jesus and, and he's already dead. He's already uh, hanging. Again, that was one of the reasons they chose this. That, that they usually would hang there for days before they died. We look at this, and, and, and the other thing about this is that the other lesson that we learn from this is, is I don't know how many of you uh, have heard some of these kind of things, but there are some nutcases. How's that? I'd like to I'd like to give you a better word for it. I'd like to tell you I've, I've I've been to school and got an education or whatever and could give you a big fancy word for it, but knuckleheads, nutcases ding a whatever you want to call them. I, I learned that from Jerry Falwell. How's that? I don't, yeah, I, I, yeah. Who say Jesus wasn't really dead. He just lost so much blood he was unconscious. And you ever heard that mess? Well, good. I'm glad you hadn't. You hadn't been hanging around with wrong people. But there are people who believe that kind. He just kind of was unconscious. Now, John says, let me tell you something. He was dead. Dead, dead. Dead as a hammer. Completely dead. So dead that even the Roman soldiers said he is dead. Even Luke, the physician, says he is dead. He was dead. He died for your sins. He didn't sleep for your sins. He didn't become unconscious for your sins. He was beaten. He was tormented. He was tortured. And He died a vile, vicious, malicious death for you. That's what we learn from John. John says, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this man, the Son of God hung on a cross and the weight of your sin, the guilt of your sin on His back, He died. He died. Dead. I heard Tony Evans, some of you know Tony, Tony Evans, I heard him preach a message one time said how dead is dead. 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 You ever heard anybody say somebody's halfway, half dead? You're not half dead. You're either alive or dead. Jesus wasn't half dead. He wasn't asleep. He was dead dead. I haven't been to medical school, but I know dead. The Roman soldiers knew dead. And Jesus Christ died for your sin. Now, and we see this pitiful scene. But then the third thing, the third lesson we learn is the pure side. Let's eliminate any question. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and once there, at once there came out blood and water. I'm not medical. 
by any a band-aid is about the height of my medical skills. So I'm relying on some people here uh, who know much more about the medical field than I do. As they came to Jesus and they saw him hanging on the cross and they determined that he was dead, they wouldn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, for whatever reason, other the only, only, only reason you can possibly come up with is because, again, look at this very carefully. Don't miss this. It tells us in the previous verse, it says, When they came to Jesus, they saw he was dead and did not break his legs. But then in the very next verse, we read that one of the soldiers took his spear and pierced the side of Jesus. Now some have said he, they did that just to make sure he was dead. What did the verse previous to that say? It said when they came to Jesus, they recognized if he, they thought he was not dead, they would have broke his legs. They knew he was dead. He didn't pierce his side because he wanted to be sure he was dead. He pierced his side with the spear out of pure wickedness. Out of pure evil. He wanted to end. I, I really believe. And Okay, over here is the Bible. I'm going to come over here because this is no, nowhere in the Bible. I'm going to distance myself from the Bible so you know what I'm about to say is, uh, what, what, you ever seen those things where it says the, 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 the former was the opinion of the author and, you know, not the, of the station or whatever? This is the opinion of the author. That even if Jesus would have been alive and this soldier would have had the chance, he would have done the exact same thing. He just wanted it some way, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, he just wanted to inflict some kind of harm, some kind of damage on Jesus. The medical, those, again, who know much more about medicine than me, much more. You don't have to know, you don't have to know much to know much more about medicine than me. Point out that when John says that when he pierced his side, that blood and water came out. Now, there's a lot of symbolism that can be tied to that, um, and, and all, I'm, I'm not going to go there um, because most of that is speculation. Just kind of trying to find. But he, here's what those, again, is that for there to come out blood and water means that the sack around the heart of Jesus had to be pierced, and his heart basically had to have exploded for that to be the case. Now, again, I'm not medical. I, I, you know, I, I don't know that. But I've read that and studied that a good bit. That for it to come out blood and water. And again, which would make sense that as he would hang with the pressure, that it would put pressure across the chest and literally explode the heart. Someone has said he died of a broken heart. A couple things about that lesson. He was dead. Did I tell you that? Did I tell you that already? He was dead. We've got two pieces of evidence 
He didn't break his legs, and they pierced his side, and out came blood and water. He was dead. Did you know that? Have I told you that lately? He was dead. Jesus Christ died for you. You can't say that enough. You can't think about that enough. We can't be reminded of that enough. Jesus Christ died for me. I can remember being back in school and forgetting my lunch money and asking somebody for 50, 60 cents. You know, lunch was cheap back then. But I, I remember a little carton of milk was eight cents. You know, they won't let you in the cafeteria for eight cents today. You know, I, I mean, you didn't need but 50, 60 cents, 75 cents. Go around and ask somebody, hey, can, can I get some money from you? Can I get some lunch money from you? Nope. Can't help you. Can't even get lunch money. Can't even get 75 cents. Now, I did find a trick. You go around and ask someone. If you ask one person for 75 cents, you can't get it. You ask 13 people for a nickel. You can get a nickel out of most people. Couldn't even get lunch money out of most people. Be very honest this morning. How many people, and, and this is a hard thought, kind of a, one of those come-to-Jesus moments. In your mind, you make yourself a list real quick. Well, if you were completely down and out, you were completely broke, and your next meal depended on the generosity of your friends, how many friends do you have on your list who you think you could go to and say, hey, will you buy me lunch? Now, be honest. Don't just get an overinflated opinion of yourself. Don't get an overinflated opinion of your friends. <laughs> if you're honest, it's probably a pretty short list, isn't it? Hey, I need a tank of gas. Can I borrow $100? <laughs> Used to be $20, now it's $100. I'm going to give me a bicycle. Um, can, can you help me? It's probably a pretty small list. Will you die for me? I don't know but one. I don't know but one. It pierced his side. And out came blood and water. We see this great sacrifice. The ultimate rejection. That's what we learned from that. Well, how much hatred do you have to have for, for someone to pierce the side of a dead man? How much hatred do you have to have? Ultimate rejection. Jesus has been rejected from the cross till today. The ultimate rejection. And then finally, look at this last lesson I want you to see this morning. These words of John. These are important words. He who saw it. He who saw it. Who is he who saw it? Anybody know? What did you say? John. 
He who saw it, the man writing the book, John, he says, he that saw it, me, his testimony is true, and he knows he's telling the truth, so that you may believe. And then he reminds us again, for these things took place, that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and again, another scripture that says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. John finishes this section by saying, listen, I'm not telling you something I heard. I don't, I don't know if my wife felt up to watching online this morning, but we, we have this conversation at our house every so often. She'll tell me something, and I'll say, who told you that? I've, I've told you all this before. And she'll say, what's wrong? Don't you believe me? And I say, well, if you tell me you saw it, I believe it. What I want to know is who you heard it from, whether or not I believe them. If you tell me you saw a little green man in a spot, I'm going to believe you. I'll take your word for it. I, again, y'all know, I put my life in her hands. I, you know, Kathy, the pharmacist back there was asking me the other day about my medicine. I don't know. I go in my bathroom, there's a little plastic container, it's got my medicine in it, arsenic and all, and I take my medicine. I don't know. I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, are you taking this? And I point it around. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, she takes care of it. She keeps me alive. I, 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 you know, uh, she, she, she looks after me for some reason. Yes, she loves me. But I want to know who she heard it from. I don't know that I trust the person you trust. John says, I want you to know something. I'm not telling you something George down at the corner store told me. I stood there with, remember, I was there because do you remember what I told you a while ago? I told you Jesus looked at me and said, take care of my mama. I was there. I saw this with my own eyes. And I know his legs weren't broken. And I know they pierced his side. And I know he was dead. And I know they took him off the cross. And he's going to tell us in a few chapters, he's going to say, and I was there when the when the tomb was empty. I saw him when he was alive. I saw it myself. I know it. And can I tell you something this morning? I didn't see it. I wasn't there, but I know it. I know it. I know it better than I know anything else in this world. I know that He died on the cross for me. I know that He shed His blood for my sins. I know He died that day for me. And I know He came out of that tomb on the third day. And I know He was resurrected for me. And I know He ascended to His Father. And I know He's coming back. I don't think so. I don't hope so. I don't believe so. I'm looking for it so much it could be today. I know it. John said, I saw it. I'm telling you I know it. And I want to tell you something else this morning. If you don't know it, today's the day you better figure it out. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, whether you're in this room, whether you're joining us online, whether you're watching us live or watching us later, if you don't know today, 
If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. See, that's what John's whole book is about. John, listen, if you can only give one book of the Bible to somebody, you give them the Gospel of John. Because that's what John writes about. That's his whole purpose, is so that you will know that you know that you know. So that you can know Jesus Christ. I'm not saying the other 65 books are bad. I said, if you can only give one book to a lost man, give him John. If you can only give him one book to a saved man, give him Romans. John wrote, so that you could know. I have a commentary on the book of John, and the name of the book is Look and Believe. That's what John was saying. Look and Believe. You're here today, you're online, you don't know him. I want to invite you. I want to plead with you. Listen, I will literally get out on my hands and knees right out there at center court and beg you, if that's what it takes, for you to come to know Jesus. For you to accept Him as your Savior. Not just be a good person, not just be in church, not just give an offering, but to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to save your soul. If you don't know Him today, would you, if you're online, send me an email. Call me. Send me a letter. Send me Pony Express. I don't care. Somehow let me know. I'll help you understand how you can be a Christian. If you're in this room, let me know. There, me or someone else, there's others in this, in this room that are trained. They'll tell you how, show you how you can know Jesus Christ. But this morning you're here and you say, I am a believer. I know I'm saved. No question in my mind. I'm with you. I know that I know that I know. Can I encourage you this morning to be grateful? Just to let him know you thank him. Can I encourage you this morning not to be like the high priest and just have a high Sabbath religion? Just to have a Passover religion? Let's live for Jesus every day. Not just when it suits us. As we bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. Just thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be here today and to open your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts. God, that you'll move in our hearts, convict, stir, challenge. God, whether they're in this room or online, if they don't know you as their Savior, that they'd be like John before it was over and be able to say, I know, I know that he is my Savior. God, for the Christians that are with us, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd convict them. God, we wouldn't be like the high priest, just Passover Christians, but we'd be everyday Christians. We'd be grateful and 